send it to Hollywood. Show him the ways you've been to Hollywood. He's helping it to Hollywood. Good afternoon and welcome to another fantastic episode of How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And we are in the throes of spring. Spring has sprung, as they say, and it's absolutely gorgeous outside. Isn't it, Georgia? What do you think? It is lovely. I am seeing buds and blossoms. And yes, yes the weather is mild. And this, I think, is the best time to be in Texas, too, is I think March, probably October. I love it. Oh, well, I mean, I couldn't have said it better. I hope the weather continues to uh, be as beautiful as it is. And um, and no, we're not already out of material. We haven't even started because people say when you start talking about the weather, that means you have nothing else to talk about. No, I mean, it's, it's April. It's Betty's birthday month. By the time this this episode drops, <clears throat> uh, her birthday will have passed. It's on the fifth of this month, um, and I should have looked up how old she would have been. I, I know she had to probably be in her hundreds, but yeah, it's Betty's birthday this month on the fifth, and um, so we absolutely love her. Celebrate her with us. Go to our Facebook page, How Betty Davis Saved My Life, and celebrate her with us. Check out all our upcoming movies. Uh, you know, we are available to be listened to on most listening platforms, except Amazon. Yeah, I know I've been saying I'm, <laughs> we've been coming to Amazon. Uh, George and I, like I said before, we love this. And until y'all fully support us with y'all coins, we got to work. We have other jobs. So other than that, uh, we absolutely invite you to celebrate Betty with us, not only this month, but every month. Also, Georgia, what do you have going on? What is our movie today? The Paradine Case from 1947 by the master director, Alfred Hitchcock. This is our first Hitchcock, and also this is our first courtroom drama is it? No, no, no. We did another movie with a court, court we? drama. Yeah, and guys, you know, I, you know I don't remember. But yeah, we did. Uh, oh, gosh, that's a shame. Guys, we did our 50th episode. It's already dropped. Hobson's Choice is going to drop later on, um, or well, earlier this month. And that was our 50th episode. So yay. <clears throat> but we've done at least 50 uh podcast episodes but no we did another courtroom drama just recently george and i just i don't remember anyway you might be right i thought we did another courtroom so guys let us know in the comments on our facebook page we're also on youtube let us know uh what our courtroom drama was and maybe i'll think about it before um we get off of here but anyway guys this is certainly our first hitchcock right and this was also produced by David O. Selznick, who, right. of course, I don't even have to tell you, is the one who brought us Gone with the Wind. Yes, yes, my favorite, favorite film of all time. This has an amazing cast, Moya. It has Gregory Peck, uh, as you know, who will go on later. This is like um, a forerunner when he goes on to play Atticus Finch. He's in the courtroom here. You have uh, the lovely Ann Todd. You have the always amazing 
talented actor Charles Lawton. You have Alita Vali, uh, who radiates mystery. This is her first role in a movie. And also Louis Jordan, his first role in a movie. Mm-hmm. You have Charles Coburn, who always brings, uh, brings it. Uh, and then Ethel Barrymore, who would go on to win Best Supporting Actress for 1947 in this role. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> and you know what? See, Georgia, as you all know, is our research department. And I was wondering, I said, this woman only had maybe seven minutes of air, of of screen time. But it was so powerful, the looks and the inflections and the nuance. So that doesn't surprise me that she, and I kept saying, I wonder if this woman was even nominated for this. And then you answered that um, question. I mean... I'm telling you, if you blink, you will miss her performance. So don't blink. Because she's not, she has, like I said, it's maybe seven minutes of total screen time. But wow. Well, good for her. Good for her. I, I don't, uh, oh, one other thing. A lot of people don't realize this, but Hitchcock, along with Robert Altman, had so many, he, he held the record for the most Best Director nominations but he never got a win. No Oscars, no Golden Globes, which just blows my mind. I just can't believe that. Well, look at look at Barbara Stanwyck. Look at uh, Deborah Carr. I think Deborah Carr got an honorary something at the Academy, and maybe maybe Babs too. But and my boy Marvin Gaye. At least Marvin Gaye won once. I know that's music. He won at least one Grammy. But but what what the what's going on album and a soundtrack. So there are people who have totally totally been shafted by the academy and, and the, the awards p- people period this movie did get some uh how should i say it, it wasn't like a big uh box office really believe that this is one of hollywood's uh most underrated movies i think this movie is extremely good and i think it's a very compelling movie i was unlike a lot of the other reviews i was mesmerized i had rapt attention throughout the entire thing i felt i found it enthralling from beginning to end i really did um and so i think a lot of people expected this to be like hitchcock's other movies in that you know the formula, you know, that Hitchcock has with, you know, you have a person who's like wronged and they're on the run. And then his trademark sense of humor that he has. Okay, that's not here in this movie. But still, this movie, I think, really delivers. I I believe that it does. It has some very absorbing courtroom scenes. I, it's a combination crime, whodunit drama romance thriller a lot of those things in there the acting i think is absolutely superb i only have one slight problem though and i don't know how you feel about this morning but do you think that gregory peck might have been miscast in this role i could see how you could say that um and before i go on to my rant what what was was this movie a success no, it was not a success in the box office. Amazingly, okay. it was not. I, I, Georgia, I'm going to tell you. So I saw this movie earlier on, about 20-something years ago. 
And I enjoyed it because I enjoyed the actors. I'm a Gregory Peck fan and Charles, Charles Lawton fan. Fast forward to now, I could kind of see how it was not a success, especially when you think of Hitchcock, because there was no suspense. There was no blood, quote unquote, or gore, quote unquote. Um, so I could kind of see that. It's not If you'd have told me that it was Hitchcock, and I didn't know any better. I'd have argued, like, no way. Like, this is not a Hitchcock film. Because it's just not typical. Right. This is not like his other ones. But I think the master's touch is still very evident oh, here. Yeah. And I think this is one of his Hitchcock's uh, most psychologically interesting films. Because it really goes deep into people's psyches and motivations. I mean, if you look at the way he does... Judge Horfield, if you look at the way he examines these marriages here, there's three yes. marriages here. Yes. And you, because you've got um, you've got the barrister played by Gregory Peck, and he's got this faithful and adoring wife. You've got uh, Mrs. Paradine with all of her past affairs and her colonel hero husband. You've got Judge Horfield, who is... A real sleaze bag is the way I would describe him if I had to say one. And then his like intimidated and long suffering wife. Now, why do you think and he's so, a sleaze bag? Oh my God. The reason I say he's a sleaze bag is there's a scene where he invites Gregory Peck and his wife over for a party at his house. And he sits next to Gregory Peck's very beautiful wife. And have you noticed that scene? Where he comes, he's just very, um... I thought he was going to make her touch it. I, I know. <laughs> it, it, it's just to me, I, it, it I almost wanted him does. to do it. Like, I almost like, wanted him to do it. it. He takes her hand and he places it, like, you know, right on, on, like on his, like, <laughs> oh, my, yeah, on the inside of his leg, and I Ah, you know, and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, and she pulls away from him, you know, because he's kind of. I think like I they, say he's a sleaze bag, and then he just seems to be so like, in a way, like he enjoys like giving the death penalty. Okay, and so that I think those were some of the reasons why I would say. Now, when you, you say know, he enjoys giving a death penalty, what do you mean by that? I think that he just like, no, she's going to hang, you know, and all, I mean, he just seemed, um, well, and the way he, also the way he treated his wife, mm -hmm. he, he was very, I thought, psychologically cruel with her mm -hmm. and uh, the way he treated her, it was just, it was very bullying and intimidating towards his, his poor long-suffering wife. And, um, so that's why I call him a sleazebag for all those reasons. I, I, I kind of felt like. He just kind of, I felt he was biased going into it, in mm -hmm. my point of view. I thought he was. No, no, I, I'm not disagreeing uh, with you. Uh, I was just trying to get your, you know, just to explain a little bit more to our audience about why you felt like that. And and, and for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. And for our ongoing listeners, thank you so much for listening to us and for your support and growing the audience. We really can't tell you how much we appreciate you. But, you know, the name of our podcast is How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. And so what that means is that we want to glean um, 
life lessons, what it says from these movies, because we feel that these movies convey certain uh, truths and axioms and, uh, uh, like I said, life lessons. And I think in this one, Georgia, what you're saying about the Charles Lawton, so like I said, the three marriages. And um, so the five is the first marriage, is the, uh, the Paradine case, the Paradines who are married, and uh, the wife is up for the murder of the of the husband, uh, a blind older dude, like she's way younger than he is. She it comes out that she has a, a a woman with a certain past, as you will, and how that may or may come come into play. Uh, and I'm trying. I'm Georgia. Stop me if I give away too much. But uh, Greg Gregory Peck, for some reason, and I went back and rewound it. Uh, now this is where I'm getting into the landmines of this of this plot. He falls in love with this woman. He oh he becomes seriously infatuated with her, and yes. I'm not gonna get into that. Um, but I did rewind it to to see the exact moment. Um, like Georgia said, the woman is very alluring. Um, she's not beautiful in a sense of a soft, beautiful like uh. I can't think of the lady's name who played Ann Todd. You know, there there's different type of beauties going on. Um, but she has she's a Lauren. She's very they cast this woman Valley perfect because she's she radiates sex. It's almost like it almost like an Ava Gardner type vibe going on. Mm-hmm. And so men for whatever reason think thought Ava Gardner was the bee's knees. I'm not a woman. Even though I could appreciate a woman who who has sexuality and sexiness, I mean, I, I didn't see it, but you know, I'm not a man. But anyway, back to the movie. So he falls in love with her, and him and his wife Georgia, they uh, Anne Todd, they had they had been married eleven years. They had the, like the sweetest, perfect marriage, didn't they? Yes, they did. She was so loving and, and affectionate. They both were. Yes, it just looks happy. Yes, and is really why I was taken with this because he develops this infatuation or obsession with her. And, you know, I work in the legal field and most attorneys would have just sat their client down and explained the legal facts of life to him and would not have let their client control them, mm-hmm. you know, it, which was to me, this was very, very surprising. And it really grabbed my attention when I see, you know, the uh, scenes with him in the prison with her and he's just, so like in awe practically of this woman and yes she does have a very strong charisma and a very strong sex appeal i have to say and um one of the scenes to me that was very captivating and you can see hitchcock's touch and is there is like when louis jordan his character enters the courtroom and there the camera angle that he the hitchcock does he moves the camera around the full, like about 300 degrees or so. And it really physicalizes the chemistry without the two characters ever looking at each other Mm -hmm. because she senses his entry into that courtroom. She feels it and you know it. And that's so amazing. That is the Hitchcock touch right right there. That's one of where you can see his directing which is so brilliant and the, what he conveys without any words going on. Right. Uh, so that is the allure that this character has. And he thinks uh, uh, immediately he makes the observation. Um, 
wow, your husband didn't realize what you were giving up, you know, because mm-hmm. she's so lovely. And here she is married to a blind man. And mm-hmm. so this this is a very, very, um, I mean, there's a lot to chew on in this yes, movie. Yes. I, oh, my gosh. I mean, Hitchcock. And so for any of those, any of you who don't know, but who are Hitchcock fans beyond his movies, but about his life, he was obsessed with beauty and youth. Yes. There was a reason why he had blondes in all his movies. He was obsessed with blondes. Uh, but even if, in his earlier movies, the non-blonde movies before he came to America, the women were very pretty. And his wife, Alma, who did the treatment for uh, this movie, was not yes. so much. But I, when I, the, the, uh, the, um, the, inch, the, interaction between Charles Lawton and uh Ethel Barrymore's characters. I was like, okay, this is Hitchcock and his wife. You know, yes. in some in some uh way. A little projection going on there. But I think for the most part, um Hitchcock and his wife, they worked as a team and, you know, I don't think he was as cruel to to Alma as uh Charles Lawton was to to Ethel Barrymore's um character. But I laughed my behind off. So the, so the second marriage, you know, not in order, the older couple, uh, Barrymore and Lawton's characters, you know, you could see marriages in different stages. You saw marriages in different types of marriage. You saw the marriage of convenience with, um, with, uh, Valley's character with the old, with the, uh, the old blind man, you know, who wound up, uh, dead that she's on trial for, you know, you saw that he he look he gave her a come up as we say you know that's a slang he gave her she was look the woman had been passed around like we say she was for the streets so he she got to come up leveled up the trade off I got to take care of old sick blind dude but it was what it was okay and I'm gonna leave it right there so she got to come up then you have the young in love couple. They don't even have any children. They're just so in love with each other. They've been married, and they've been married 11 years, so either, and I'm, and this is me just speculating, even they couldn't have children or didn't want to have children, but it wasn't even an issue because they just loved each other. They were each other's yeah. world. So that's the young love. Yeah. Then you have the older couple, and Georgia, correct me if I'm wrong, had Anne Todd not made the decision she did regarding her husband and this case, I think the the Charles Lawton and Barrymore couple would have been foreshadowing what was going to happen to uh, Todd and Peck's relationship had she not made the decision she made to how she handled him with this with this case. What do you What do you think? Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh wow! Yes, I do. Oh my gosh! Well, you know, she and Todd's character made the decision that she wanted to fully support him and see this woman. exonerated yeah now stop and don't give away too much now that, don't give away too much yeah i don't want to give yeah i don't want to give away too much but um i my response to that Moya is i hope that that would not have been the case it would not have been um but you know i felt there was so much subtext going on in this movie because i agree with what you said going back to uh alma and hitch and their marriage because yes her husband would get just like in the movie he would get obsessed, and it's well documented, with these various leading ladies, the cool icy blondes, and then she maintained her loyalty to him. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. you know? And so I think that makes this movie very fascinating on another level because in some ways that mirrors the marriage of Hitchcock and Elma. Yes, I do. Do I think that that could have happened? Oh my gosh. Oh, well, see, this movie was very true to the 1940s, I think, Mm -hmm. because that's how a woman from the 1940s would react. Mm -hmm. And if you look at our present day sensibilities, a woman will go, you're having an emotional affair with her. And and it would really come down hard on their husband for that. Mm -hmm. But this, the response was more like you would see in the 1940s. So that's my, that's my answer to your question. What would you have done? How would you have handled it? I had a feeling you were going to ask me that question. I had a feeling. (laughs) Okay. All right. There's no saying, you know, you know, um, you know, a man can look at the menu, but it doesn't, don't eat from it. You know, (laughs) well, I think any man is going to actually married or not is going to notice like beautiful and attractive women out there. There are charming, Mm -hmm. beautiful women. They're going to notice them. Yes. Right. Right. But, you know, I think I feel as long as they come home to you every night, is a man going to have female friends? Yes, I'm accepting of that. Just like I will have male friends. Mm-hmm. So I I um, I don't equate an emotional affair the same way as I would, you know, a physical affair. I don't equate that quite the same way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so what would you have done? Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. What would I have done? Oh, okay. Um, I think I would have recognized it, brought it to his attention. Of course, you know, how she said she loves him, she doesn't own him. I could understand that. Um, I would, I think I would see how it played out because I think the more you come on and say, I think you're terrible for doing this and, you know, and you're victimizing me, I think the more you're going to lose it. Mm-hmm. And so I think in many ways, I think she played it smart okay. because he still, he's, he came, he fully wanted to come back to her in the end. Mm-hmm. And I think she, she played it well. And um, I guess that in many ways, I don't really have too much criticism for the way she handled it. No, I, I mean, hey, I, I'm checking all the boxes as you're speaking and I, I agree with you. Um and what I liked about the anti-character, and I think modern women today could learn a lot from that character and Ethel Barrymore's character, and believe it or not, uh, somewhat Miss Paradine, but I'll leave, I'll put on a back burner. And we're leaving out another woman. There were four, there were four women who represented different cross-sections of society at that time. And I and I hope you have the young lady's name. The the young lady who played um who played the daughter, I loved her. Because Joan Tessel, she was wonderful. She should have gotten some type of award as well because she kept the audience in the loop about what was happening legal-wise without getting into legalese. And she also took the temperature of everybody in the room. She read the room perfectly. I love the interaction between her and her and her dad, Coburn's character. And she was she was the voice of what Ann Todd couldn't say. And uh she she called Gregory Peck's character out on his on his crap and stuff. So I absolutely loved her. 
So you have four women. And so you could see her being the future of women. She was <clears throat> probably in her early 20s, <clears throat> excuse me, unmarried, which was unheard of back then. You're like practically a, 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 a old maid. But she was the future of women. Uh, she probably was going to go into law if she got married, got married later. And she was very smart, but she was still feminine. She was her, her, her father's daughter, but she was still feminine. And that's what I want to talk about, the femininity of all of these women. Because look at Barrymore, how she hung in there, even though her husband was very emotionally abusive to her. And but she's and some women say, I wouldn't take that. This is where I'm at, Georgia. Um, there's this Hollywood couple uh getting divorced, Anthony Anderson and his wife, 22 years. What the hell, ma'am, do you think you're gonna do in tw after 22 years? You're not the star. You can get half of this man, even if you're outside of Hollywood, you can get half of this man's money. Okay, good. You and that money, I hope you put it in bed with you, put some damn uh uh, Savage cologne on or whatever cologne is, uh, you and <laughs> let it keep you warm at night. You probably need to burn it because it will not work. Twenty two years. What are you in? In in. Oh, 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 I, I, look, I'm gonna tell you after this. After five to seven years, especially after ten, what do you think you're gonna do, ma'am? Where you think you're gonna go? Especially if this man is not beating you. You ain't no drugs, alcohol, ain't no women or kids or something like that. What is the problem that I say after you you took it for 10 years, you took it for 20 plus years, get y'all some therapy or something like, or, or if, if this man is just this impossible, these people are rich I'm talking about uh, in Hollywood. Y'all know y'all have these mega houses. You have your wing, he has his wing, and never the twain shall meet unless you want to. I wouldn't give a darn what that man did, as long as he ain't bringing down my house or taking food or money out of me and my kid's mouth or embarrassing me. I don't care. Okay. And, um, and this is going to drop way after the, this happened. Unless you got the Smith situation going on. <laughs> I mean, I don't even need to say nothing else. Cause by the time this drop, everybody, I, I told, I told my husband, I said, this is so crazy. Not a whole world knows about how toxic you guys are. Before only a certain, maybe some people in America, maybe overseas, or, you know, in Europe or whatever. But now they got people in the deepest, darkest jungles of whoever in their hut with their battery operated. <laughs> and I mean like a Duracell battery operated TV from 1984. They all know. And they're up there, what the, what, what's that? What's that? <laughs> what the hell? So unless y'all got that foolishness going on, I don't care and so that's why i said with ethel barrymore and charles lawton that woman was there she loved him she was invested in that marriage she was invested in him she was mrs judge so-and-so okay and and he's probably been and it and he's been humiliating her like that for a while george you can tell because how yeah. he said about the beauty yeah. fading and all that so if she wanted to leave the first time that clown did that she should have checked him, got it straight, and moved and made some decisions. But if you've been taking it that long, ma'am, I just heard of somebody got divorced, some older couple, after 30-something years. So if you got married in your 20s, you're like 60. Ma'am, where are you going to go? I hope you get half his pension or something. 
And you keep saying, well, what about the what about the man? A man will be perfectly fine because there will be some woman around the corner, probably in your circle, lady, who's going to the clean up woman. Shout out to Betty Wright, R.I.P. The clean up woman will wipe his tears away. She will give him love in 24 hours away. You put him on a shelf. She's the one that takes them down. Go, go listen to the clean up woman. That's a blues song by Betty Wright. But Georgia, I, I, I don't get it. And, and lastly, what I loved about Ann Ty's character, look how feminine she was. She didn't act a fool. Yeah. And I'm going to mm -hmm. do that to start throwing crap. And like you said, to your point, she was in, again invested in that marriage and she was for him. She loved him so much in his career. Yeah. That she she was willing to put her feelings aside, get out of her emotions, and say, you yes. know what? If just like you said, and she said it, and that friend, the the, uh, the daughter, if you act the fool and push him, and girl, you don't think that daughter would have picked up Gregory Peck? If she if <laughs> anti hell yeah, she right there. She knows that it's always the friend or the sister. She'd have picked his ass right up because he had emotional damage. She'd have picked him right up. Okay, so women, just think about it before you fly off the handle and, and get out and be feminine. Be with that man. He couldn't wait to come home to her. And she couldn't wait to, when he came home and catered That's to right. him, dry him off. That's how me and my man roll. I don't know about, about nobody else. Uh, but you have men, just like you want them to take care of you, you have to take care of them too. You know, and, right. and, call, and call him out. And look how beautiful that relationship was, Georgia. They were able to talk about that situation. He felt open enough to her to have, be able to sit down and talk about what was going on with him. And I thought that was beautiful. You have to have to get out your emotions and see the bigger picture. Then try to make a rational decision based on a real your realistic situation. And lastly, the paradigm woman. And Georgia, jump in because, you know, I like, I like the rant. <laughs> She she played her cards. She's like, look, I'm Sister HP, Sister Hot Pants. This is who I am. This is what I got going on. Thank God that man was blind because if he could see what was going on, I guess he'd have killed everybody in the room. So she got to come up and wish. But women like that, they always mess up. When you for the streets or you of that woman of that type of ilk, you always throw away. You think you so smart. But you always throw away that diamond for some dust. You you want the you want the dirt and the coal that it came out of, but you throw away that diamond. These women are those I've never seen it fail. Little sister hot pants is always a dummy. George, I'm gonna let you have the last word. Well, okay, I want to go back to what you said about these characters because to me they are fascinating. Yes, I found uh, Joan Tessel, the one who played uh, his partner's daughter. I thought she was a bridge to the audience. I thought yes. she was so intelligent and so so feisty and spunky. I loved her character. And, you know, I loved Ann Todd the way she, as a wife, she was so invested in her husband's success and in his career. I loved that about her. I thought she was like the perfect wife, if there could possibly be one. And then when you go back to both um, the judge and his wife, you know, the judge played by Charles Lawton. Mm -hmm. The scenes, especially that last scene, but the scenes between them at times, I don't know if anybody else felt it like I did, but I found them chilling, absolutely chilling. Yes. Because the things he would say, they would be so subtle, they would drop out of his mouth, 
but they were very profound in their meaning. Yeah, they were bombs. And so I want to say to people, if you want to listen to a movie that's very intelligently written, yes, it has a lot of dialogue, but I think that is, you have to really listen carefully because yeah. this movie doesn't down to you. It knows that there's an intelligent audience who's listening. And if you want an intelligently made movie yes. that you have to pay attention to and follow, then you watch this because there are nuances here. And um, if you look at the things going on with Louis Jordan's character, if you yes. look at uh, the various, all of a sudden the revelations that come out in the courtroom mm -hmm. scenes, well, you know, but that's the fun of it. I mean, the things like and Todd, when she realizes what's going on with her husband and this woman and her reactions. I mean, you really have to bring your attention, but you will be rewarded for it because this movie, it really delivers. And I, I disagree. This is one of those times where I disagree vehemently with so many of the reviews. They say, oh, it's just too talky and it's not like no. your classic... Uh, no, it is not your classic no. Hitchcock, but this movie it's is cerebral. still, it, it's, yes, Moya, that's the exact word, it's cerebral, and this movie will reward you if you, I, I say, it, you know, some people are what I call completists, they want to see every single one of Hitchcock's right. movies, and so this is, yes, this is one where people go, well, I'm going to watch it because I want to watch every Hitchcock Watch it because it's just pretty darn good. Yeah. Watch it for that reason. Right. Um, I can talk about this movie for probably another I know. another half hour easily because there's so much, so much. It's classic, it's intricate, it's a word-oriented drama. And yeah, it's it makes you work a little bit harder if you're willing. But <laughs> if you don't appreciate a well-crafted dialogue, then you won't honor the great film writing in this movie every character shines in this movie there is conflict in every scene and it propels the momentum the lines are understated but they're profoundly amazing um there is a hitchcock plot device sometimes i call him hitch for short but um you have you know of course as we've mentioned the male character infatuated and mm -hmm. and idolizing women okay um there are some things in here. If you look, you will see some. This is an earlier Hitchcock. You will see the forerunner to other things that you will see in other later Hitchcock yes. movies. Yes. So you will, if you're looking for them, you will see them. Yes. Which other people don't seem to understand when they're writing the reviews because they think it's going to be like all of his other cycle movies. Cycle no. and all that. You can't, you can't keep making cycle over and over. Well, they did. But, you know, the Hitchcock didn't make cycle over and over again. Yeah, I, you're right. You can't do that. But, you know, one of the things that people were looking for was, you know, he's known for his sense of humor and how he has like a little bit of dark humor in there sometimes. No, it is not evident in this movie, but that's no reason to write it off. And, you know, the, when they first wanted to do this movie, they wanted Greta Garbo as the femme fatale. But, you know, she was retiring at that point. Right. And right. They, they also wanted to approach her to do I Remember Mama. And she said, no murderesses, no mamas. <laughs> and they all wanted to do uh, Laurence Olivier mm. for the Gregory Peck role. But Laurence Olivier was preparing to do Hamlet at the okay. time. So he was already fully committed. And so Laurence Olivier, um, their first choice, was not available for that reason. 
Um, and then I have to say, um, this is in many ways a cautionary morality tale. Um, I think that um, you really should pay close attention to the sets in this movie. Yes. And the black and white makes it look so just really to me fascinating because i can't imagine this movie being filmed oh, no. No, no, in no. color I, yeah I, because I the lighting especially on valley's face and louis jordan's and just the lighting period but especially on her and girl that bed of hers with that cameo porch girl i loved it i said this bitch oh my gosh <laughs> that told it told her, her whole story that bed it was her bed guys when he gregory peck goes to her home and it has a portrait of her inset in her bed. And we yeah. look at a million movies with great beds and bedrooms. I've never seen anybody with a portrait of themselves inset in the bed. And it just tells the whole story how much of a narcissist this woman was. I loved it. Yeah. it Moya, thank you for pointing that out. But I, I, I'm just going to, my last word on this is, I think this is an underrated movie and it deserves to be better remembered. Yes. There you go. Mic drop. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Georgia, that was perfect. You're right. We could talk about this for 30 more minutes, but the parodying case seen for free on YouTube and I'm slapping my wrist because once again, I, I forgot to see to say whose channel it was on. I totally apologize to the... We got to do better, Georgia. But yes, it's free on YouTube. Check it out. Absolutely fabulous. Gregory Peck, Anti, Charles Lawton, Ethel Barrymore. It is a clinic of acting, a clinic of how to be a woman and how to, and I will also say how to be a, a husband who loves his wife and is torn, but struggles intelligently. And I'll leave it like that. All right, guys. Well, we can't wait to see you next time. Celebrate Betty's birthday this month. Like I said, by the time this drop, the month might almost be over with, but it is Betty's birthday on the 5th. Was the 5th. It was on the 5th. Well, because it's going to be past. You guys take care. For How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood, I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. See you next time. Don't forget to check us out on, uh, on YouTube and on Facebook. Oh.